0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is CoronaCast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Monday the 7th of June 2021.
0: And it's been more than a month since the hotel quarantine leak in Adelaide sparked a big outbreak in Victoria that has seen the city of Melbourne and surrounds going to lockdown Norman. There's been a lot that's gone on in the last couple of weeks since that happened.
1: More than a couple of weeks, but yes, absolutely.
0: Well, since since the lockdown started at least, there's been a big vaccine blitz. The vaccine numbers are rising. Testing rate has been really, really huge. And... (laughs) In the midst of uh, the outbreak that was about one particular strain of the virus, they've managed to detect another strain of the virus as well. Where is all this heading by Thursday, which is when this current lockdown is due to lift?
1: It's still probably hard to know because it depends on whether you've got undocumented transmission. So yesterday they announced two cases, uh, one Delta, one the original outbreak, but they seem to have that under control, although...
0: These are the two different... I mean, they were called the Indian strains, 617.1 and 617.2, now Delta and Kappa.
1: That's right. So one Kappa and one Delta. And the Delta is the family that went to New South Wales. And we'll come back to that later. But they seem to be tying both of those down, even though they're still not certain how the transmission occurred to the family in the first place of this different variant. Then you've got the spread to aged care, which um, was a bit of a worry and still is. And yesterday during the day, they added two cases, and there may well be more by the time people get this Coronacast uh, this morning. And one was a registered nurse, and the other was a resident, both of the Care Midstone facility. And I suppose the worry is, is there any more transmission in aged care beyond this, particularly if there was a registered nurse involved, and people have been moving between facilities. Interestingly, the resident has had a second dose, uh, I assume of Pfizer, and has been infected. So before people panic and say, well, that means the Kappa is vaccine resistant, not necessarily, but it is possible, but not necessarily, because it's only a few days since this person would have had the second dose. Since when all this began in Arcare made stone, nobody had, had a second dose. So the second dose has been given in the last few days. And it takes a few days for the immunity to build up to the Pfizer, although it's a bit faster than the second dose. But it is possible that the 617 is a bit vaccine resistant, and you might be able to get an infection. But so far, the residents infected seem to be quite well.
0: How are they going with identifying potential cases, though? Because we have a nurse who's tested positive. She'd worked the day before. Presumably, they would have that that person should have been in uh, quarantine if they thought that they had been a risk of being uh, exposed earlier than that.
1: Uh, yes, it's hard to know. Maybe this person's been brought in because other people are on furlough because they are they have had close contact. I mean, that's the problem here: is that when you put people on furlough, you've still got to have staff on duty, and who knows whether this. Agency nurse was brought in to replace somebody who was on furlough because they were a close contact. So it's just uh, these things can be quite complicated.
0: And then the other thing that sort of went under the radar, like well, really went under the radar, was the fact that the Delta variant was somehow in Victoria. Because we have been obsessively looking at the genomic testing of every single case, they know where these cases have come from. They knew that they were all the Kappa variant, which is was thought to be the less um, worrying of the two Indian strains but then someone has turned up with the delta variant which means it's come in at a second entry at entry point how did they get in without us realizing
1: yes th- this is the, the the part that they're trying to work out and now it's quite a few people who've been infected with this uh, delta strain and i think one you know, one yesterday was announced as well so it's not a small you know it's not a tiny outbreak it's a it's a significant a cluster so far, and they don't know where it's come from. And there are all sorts of conspiracy theories and ideas and so on. Was it a diplomat in Canberra who went to Jervis Bay? And people say, oh, well, Canberra people don't go to Jervis Bay. All these sort of stories emerge. Rock
0: solid evidence.
1: The one thing that I wonder here, listening to this Delta story, is would we have discovered it had there not been a high degree of alertness and awareness in Victoria because of this COVID-19 outbreak. So you've got this family who did take a while to get tested. They go back to Victoria, they get tested and they get discovered. Would they have bothered to have got tested? And they might've caught Delta in New South Wales. I think it would have been eventually because it's turned out to be you know a little cluster that other people could have passed on. How many times is this happening where there are outbreaks that we've just got no idea where 80% of them just nothing happens And occasionally something does, like the man who went back to Wallert, and it became this huge cluster.
0: It's such a strange virus, though, isn't it? And I suppose it's not unique in – coronavirus isn't unique in this respect, but – sometimes as we know from looking globally it can be very very infectious and very very destructive but other times it must fizzle out you never know which one's going to which one's going to fizzle and which one's going to to blow up which is why we need to be so vigilant but it is funny to think that this might have happened before and we just didn't know
1: yes and at the beginning it could be a slow burn um it could be that it spreads to x number of people but of those, 80 or 90% don't spread it, and it's only a few who do. They might be younger and asymptomatic, and it's a few days before it emerges, and a few more days before it becomes exponential. Just to remind people that when we're talking about exponential, we're talking about an effective reproduction number that's more than one. So one person passes on to more than one other person and they pass it on to more than one other person and you get this mushrooming of numbers. And the higher the effective reproduction number, the higher the spread. So you could get low reproduction numbers because people are keeping themselves apart. Some people are wearing masks. It's a bit harder for the virus to spread, but eventually it takes hold as they've discovered in Taiwan and they're discovering now in Vietnam.
0: Mm, So we've got, we had five cases on Saturday. We heard of two on Sunday, plus another two that happened after the midnight cutoff, which is the reporting period. How are we looking for Thursday?
1: I suspect pretty good would be my feeling, unless there's another surprise around the corner. I would have thought they want another couple of days just to tie down that they've got everything there. There was a really interesting article in yesterday's Age about contact tracing, how they've distributed. They've done what New South Wales and Queensland have done is they've given a lot of autonomy to local, the new local public health teams in Victoria, and they're getting on with it. And it seems quite impressive. And in many ways, this is the test drive of the new system and it's working well. So I suspect they're going to get a lot of confidence. I'd be surprised if they don't start relaxing the restrictions on Thursday.
0: There do still seem to be some unanswered questions and some loose ends in Melbourne, though.
1: Yes, there are. Uh, we still don't know how case number five got it from the man in Woolard. And um, we don't know about the Delta case. So there's we know where people have spread it to, but we are not absolutely sure where they got it from. And that creates an, a sense of uncertainty. And that's what's probably going to drive the lockdown through, through the full two weeks. But I think it's going to be hard for them to sustain a second week if there are no more surprises. Um, they're just going to have to trust their contact tracing system with a very low number of daily cases.
0: Well, it's really sparked a lot of questions from our audience, not just about Melbourne specifically, but just renewed interest in understanding this virus and how it works. Di's asking, are the Delta and Kappa variants covered by the AstraZeneca and Pfizer vaccines?
1: The answer is yes, they both are. We know more about the reaction to the 617 or the, the protection for the 617.2, that's the Delta And there was a study looking at effectiveness. And that study showed the first dose wasn't as effective as it has been in the past with the previous variants. But when you got the second dose, it really brought it almost back to where it was for the 117, for the alpha variant, the British variant. So that's good news. However, there was a paper in The Lancet late last week, which suggested the neutralizing antibodies, those are the antibodies that fight the virus, are quite significantly down Particularly with the Pfizer vaccine. And then what you're seeing from Public Health Scotland again late last week was an uptick in hospitalizations and illness and infections with 617.2. And that was noticed in England as well. So there is a sense that there may be an increase in cases. But remember, the British are not fully covered with the vaccine. It's only about 60% of the community, not enough for herd immunity. So it's a way to go yet, but there are disturbing features of this coming back.
0: So what you're saying there is that no- nothing's ever at 100%. And so the answer at this stage without vaccines that are specifically designed to target the variant we just need the broadest coverage possible.
1: Yeah, and it's anywhere between 20 and 40% vulnerability. So that's that's a long way off 100%. But the key is if enough people are immunised, then it's highly unlikely they're going to get really severe disease and have their life threatened, at least at the moment. But we've got to keep be alert and we've got to really approve variant vaccines at high speed. The problem with that is that we don't know what the variants are going to be at the end of the year. We've already seen the Indian variant emerging and going global after it emerged in Maharashtra State in late October. The British variant really spread a lot from earlier than that last year. So it doesn't take long. And as long as low-income countries are not immunized, we're going to see new variants emerge. So the dilemma for the vaccine companies and WHO who are presumably starting to help with this, when we'd hope they are, is what variants do they include? And that's going to be a difficult decision. It's easier with influenza and much harder with coronavirus as this virus evolves and evolves to become possibly nastier as well as more transmissible.
0: Which you don't usually see, happening with evolution.
1: That's right. Evolution, and we talked about this a lot last year, evolution, the normal dance between humans and the virus is the virus becomes less nasty as we become more, as we as a community become more used to it. And the reason it becomes less nasty is that's the way it survives better. If it kills too many people, it it dies out with the people it kills.
0: A question from John, if the vaccines for SARS-CoV-2 only stop severe illness and don't stop spread, how is herd immunity possible?
1: It kind of depends on what you're in what you're saying with herd immunity, the and what we don't know is how much transmission is reduced, even if you're infected, and that's where we really are, will struggle to define herd immunity. So herd immunity it doesn't mean that you have an absolutely sterilizing virus, which means there's no virus in your body. There are plenty of vaccines that don't give you full sterilization, but they do reduce how much virus there is in your body and the transmissibility of that virus. So we just don't know those facts yet. And that helps with herd immunity. But it probably means that rather than our original number, if we go back to last year, what were we seeing herd immunity was 70% now it's up to 80 or 90% really is what we're seeing. A lot of people have got to be immunized. And if you're over 65, it should be nearly 100%.
0: And one more question from Carrie who says, thank you for keeping us informed. I've been donating plasma to lifeblood quite regularly, but now that I'm vaccinated, feeling a bit selfish about giving away my newly made antibodies, should I be concerned? Will my body make more antibodies? What, what do you recommend?
1: Your body will make more antibodies because you don't give away your bone marrow. You don't give away all the cells that uh, remember the vaccine. You, you do give away the antibodies, but the cells, the T-cells that hold the memory, by and large, you're not giving all of them away.
0: Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today. Send in your questions by going to abc.net.au slash coronacast, and we'll see you tomorrow.
1: See you then.